most recent episode of The Brian Oak Show, which you are listening to right now, Paul Charchin was our guest, and he wanted to talk about instrumentals. He wanted to talk about songs without vocals, and I love a bunch of that stuff, but I don't go deep on jazz, but he did bring in a relatively recent jazz collective called The Comet Is Coming out of the UK. They are a London jazz collective, but as these collective work, they share a lot of members with different other bands, and when I came to my computer the next day, It said, results related to your recent search. And it told me about a band called Sons of Kemet, which I'd never heard of before in my life. Turns out another London jazz collective, but I was immediately drawn to the name of their 2018 release, Your Queen is a Reptile. Ooh. And I was like, oh, because on the front are all these wonderful women... uh, depictions of sort of traditional African women in drawing form. And I'm like, well, what what are we saying here? And it turns out they were talking about the Queen of England because every song on the record is called My Queen is Mamie Phipps Clark. My Queen is Harriet Tubman. My Queen is Angela Davis. My Queen is Nanny of the Maroons. And the one we just heard, My Queen is Ada Eastman. Um, so they were talking about what their queens are, but they made it very clear they were pointing a finger at the Western establishment, particularly in... In the UK, your queen is a reptile, and I've been listening to that on and off a lot over the last couple of days. Which finger were they pointing? I well, I don't want to speak for them, but no. sons of Kemet. As we kick off the Brian Oak Show, hi, it is the Brian Oak Show. We are recording in the Smart Start MN Studios. Smart Start, the original. Um, what would you say? Ignition Interlock Company. Exactly. Yeah. Here in Minnesota, a couple of great lawyers, Mike and Ed, who are great guys, and they jumped on board right away, and they've been supporters since we launched the Brian Oak Show. By the way, getting into episode 25 right now, how is that possible already? That can't be right. It is right. No, the math the math checks out, Sean. That's hmm. Sean Bernard right there. Also want to thank Great River Radon Mitigation. You can get an easy check to find out if your home has radon. If it does, they can mitigate it. It's very, very simple. We'll talk more about both those sponsors a little later on as well as Sean. But it is the Brian Oak Show. And, Sean, as you mentioned before we started recording, it's it's gray out there. It, it, it's it, it is it is dark not not dark like the sun is staying up later and later every day it's just that we haven't seen the great burning ball of yellow that traverses <laughs> the sky every day for what seems like moons it's 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 very gray well and i saw the news story today about how gray it's been a record setting gray and and it actually made me feel good for a couple minutes cuz i'm like oh Maybe it's not just me that I. It actually is that our sun has decided to take a break and not burn away the clouds. The Twin Cities National Weather Service reported that so far through January 27th, January 2020 has had the least amount of solar radiation for a January since solar radiation records began at the U of M in St. Paul Campus Climate Observatory back in 1963. So if you're wondering, like, why do I feel like this? Now, again, we're not in the subarctic bitter, bitter cold, but it's it's been cloudy. There's, and the sun does help. A little sun on your face, even when it's chilly, can improve your mood. It's cloudy and gray. How are you holding up? I don't do well with the cloudiness. I just don't. I'm kind of one of those. Do you have a sad? I do have a light, one of those. I do have a, I do have a sad light that I never use. So I like to be able to just complain about it. Whoa, 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 back it up. <laughs> I, I was just joking around. Like, first of all, I know SAD stands for Seasonal Affective, Affective Disorder. disorder yeah. And I just, but also there's a meme, like, I have a SAD. You have a SAD light? I do have a SAD light because I get... To I provide do get, yourself with vitamin D? I get depressed in the winter. Wow. I do, man. I don't dig, I don't, I don't mind the winter, and this is always stupid, until like January 2nd. 
<laughs> and, but January and February can, you know, well, I was going to say what they could do, but it, they can go away. Don't say that. No. They can go away. Just say, I they don't, I don't enjoy them very much. Okay, very good. I can't stand them. Okay. I, and again, I actually like the cold. I The reason I like a good cold winter is because then when you start to get that fall, and, you know, I live down on the creek in South Minneapolis, and when everything starts to pop and turn green and life returns, like, I like stark differences between the seasons. Now, do I always want it to be 20 below? Fuck no. Of course not. You know, you can still have that in places where it's, uh, you know, for two months you have the harsh winter and then you still get the buds. So and the... tell me this, Mr. Realtor. Why do you still live here? I live here because I feel sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> It's the Brian Oak Show, and coming up tonight, we're going to talk to a guest that I have always enjoyed her company. I, th- I find her wit acerbic and venomous and brilliant and smart, and she has been music adjacent since I've known her, but I'm dying to ask her when we actually met, because I tried, I kept trying to think back, and I have a hard time remembering what I had for lunch yesterday, and I can't remember, I feel like we've known each other forever, and I just can't remember when we met, and maybe she can't either, but we'll find out. Yua Vang is going to be joining us just ahead. But first, I wanted to share a story and one quick song. Now, this story actually broke last November. But Carol King, one of the greatest songwriters of the 20th century, and that's not a matter that's up for debate. That's not a matter of opinion. She is a stalwart. She is a pillar. She has written some of the greatest hits in the pop and rock era. Well, she came out of retirement to redo a song that she had done back in the early 70s. And why? Well, because she's a right thinker, she's a smart person, she's a wildly talented individual, and she fucking hates Donald Trump. So, welcome to the party. And she's again, a left thinker, is what well, really mean. I, and again, it's fine. We, we're all into what we're into, and I don't want to make this show political, but I don't feel like Trump is a political animal. I feel like he's a dangerous monster, no matter where you lie, no matter what is happening. Go ahead. Now, I did hear this, and, and I'm sure that you've heard it a million times already, but I heard it for the very first time. Somebody called him Orange Julius Caesar, which I thought was great. That's fucking brilliant. Orange Julius Caesar. Like I was like, that is hilarious. That is, I'm totally stealing that. As a guy who grew up and went to Northtown Mall all the time, very close to my house, and oh, spent a lot of North time Town. at Orange Julius, uh, Orange Julius Caesar. Caesar yes. It's not going to get any better than that. Anyway, she came out of retirement to redo her 1977 track one, and I feel like we should hear it, and when we'll come back, we'll, we'll uh, meet you of Open your heart and let the love come shine. 
After seven years of not making any more music, Carol King came out of retirement last November to redo that song and make sure that people understood where she stood. And I think that's great. And it it made me a little alarmed because earlier today I saw that Amy Klobuchar was surging ahead in the polls in Iowa, uh, ahead of other prominent candidates, yes. including Warren and Sanders. And that was exciting to me. I like Amy Klobuchar, but it's it's amazing how divided people are on the left. And that's fine. I want people to be passionate. I want people to give a shit about our mutual feelings future. I want them to support people that matter, but we don't have preferential elections. It's not like the UK. It's not like Australia. We basically are going to get to pick between two people. So does that mean you don't vote with your heart or does it mean, fine, let's give orange Julius Caesar four more fucking years. Oh, and here's the thing that really bugs me as somebody who spent 25 years in marketing is that you can't split up your marketing dollars you know, with six or seven or eight people, including the guys that aren't even in the debates, but they're still, it's like, we need to pool our marketing dollars. Now the election is nine months and five days away. And we still don't know who our candidate is. So we've got, you know, obviously the caucuses coming up, but it seems like it's, it's going to be tomorrow. And we don't have, I mean, I just, it's unbelievable that we're not unified in what we're doing right now. And I know it sounds way too political and we do want people to, support us and realize this is not a political show, but it's also not a show that's going to capitulate to the madness that currently engulfs us. We can all do better by each other, by people. We can abandon hatred. We can abandon stupidity. We can support science. We can support technical innovation. We can support diversity. From what I understood growing up, that was kind of the big bit here in America, that whole yeah. thing like we're melting pot. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, you know, you and I both have Irish ancestors. And when they came here, they were treated like mongrels as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, but now they just look like all the other white people. So nobody knows. So luckily, you and I are able to sneak by every day. That's amazing. But it's not the same for everybody. <laughs> it is the Brian Oak Show. And I would like to introduce someone who I appreciate online. I've always appreciated her in person as well and the work that she's done. But it's been a minute since we've seen one another or spent any time together talking. But I've never known her to not have a smile. I've never known her to not be interesting or sardonic. And after I lost my most recent gig, I got this really killer package in the mail. I'm trying not to be emotional about it because I'm... You know, as as you has pointed out, we'll meet her in a moment. I'm kind of a feelings guy, share a lot of my feelings. And when I open this package, I burst into wild, happy tears. And it is a needlepoint work in a small, simple black frame with white. And it's done in blue that says simply, never give up on your stupid, stupid dreams. And it's so you and it's so me. It was absolutely perfect. You Vang, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. Now, first of all, you're going to have to get right up on that microphone. Otherwise, you'll get lost. Um, Wow. So I I mentioned before the song, I don't remember. I remember I met you at a Basilica Block party, but I don't remember the year. I don't remember the exact context. 
And before we learn more about you and your history and your past, how did you and I first meet? So I think I started listening to you when you were on 90, what was that station? It wasn't. Well, I was on Rev 105, then I was on Zoe 105, and then. Oh, I was on the edge very briefly. Yes. 93.7. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. I, so I listened to that station and then you migrated over to Cities 97 for a while. And of course, I loved like going to the Basilica Block Party and I'd been a huge fan. This was long before I ever worked in music or anything. So mm-hmm. I was working retail at the time and just trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And so you were kind of this huge figure that I was like, who mm. is this person? You know, that. <laughs> That's super interesting to everybody. And um, I'd stopped you. You were on your way out. And you had never met me before, but you had the perfect, like, way to pretend that you did. Because you're like, <laughs> remind, you said, remind me how I know you. Because. I just, at that time, I met so many people. I know. That, like, I'm like, and, you know, and, and right. most people had me at a disadvantage. I was on the radio every right. day. So people felt there was a relationship there. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't want to be a dick. I just, no. I, did, I just, you know. I'm also, my memory's not great. That's the perfect way to say it, though, because I've seen people before go up to uh, celebrities even and say, you don't remember me, do you? And when you say that to them, you put them in a weird spot where they're just like, oh, crap, what do I what do I say to this person without mm-hmm. offending them? You know, so that was perfect. And I think like we randomly when I started working in music, then I, you know, ran into you randomly at some shows I've seen you plenty of times yeah. over the years. I, just, I was trying to remember the very first time, and I said I didn't remember. And then when we were listening to Carol King, I'm like, Basilica Block Party? Yes. You're like, exactly, yeah. exactly. So you, you of Vang is our guest, and you have done so many things. In fact, you sent me a bio, but I feel like the bio damns you with faint praise. So <laughs> I'm going to read very quickly. And it says, you, are, and I love how you describe yourself on social media, by the way, <laughs> master of all trades jack of none after working a decade in retail management in the film industry technically blockbuster video she (laughs) attended ipr the institute of production and recording music business with the intention of tour managing bands she inadvertently got an internship at city pages and ended up working as a freelance writer for the paper after graduating where she was interviewed she interviewed more than 400 artists as a journalist your jeff bridges your chris thiele's your amy mann your david lovering of pixies Mm -hmm. i didn't see that when i read this before (laughs) Well, I not, made him laugh too. I was sorry about that. So why did you make him? Uh, why are we sorry about making David Lovering laugh? Well, I didn't want to interrupt you. Um. So, uh, do you know Craig Grossman? He's uh one of the founders of Green Room. Uh, the Possibly by face, but not but, not off top. So of he told me this story, and when he found out that I was interviewing David, he's like, "Let me tell you this." So David DeYoung, who used to run, I think, how was the show? I know David. Um, yep he was trying to get into the Pixie show when they did the reunion at the fine line. 2004, yes. April. I remember I was yes. there. I, Were you there? I, it's a top five band all time for me. So sure. I, I, I was absolutely. There. And of course this small room, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, David DeYoung was like, who do I have to kill to get into this show? And then it was a hard ticket to get, by yes, the way, somebody passed away and he got in the show because that person oh passed God. away. <laughs> So he's checking the obituary. Um, I think it was like a friend of a friend. Oh, okay. All right. uh, apparently that's the guy you had to kill to get into right. that show. Wild. So I told David Lovering this in the interview and he just burst out laughing. You know, so. I, I as a long time quarter century radio dork, uh, I asked my wife to marry me over the air 
And the song I played was Pixie's La La Love You, which is the only song in their catalog, which David Lovering actually has the vocals on. Very wild. So you've done a lot. And these days you book music at the MSP airport. And Mm -hmm. we'll get to that eventually here. But I want to talk. So like when you were going to school, where where are you from? Where'd you grow up? So I I technically was not born in this country, but... um, my family came to Minnesota in 81 when I was about almost a year old. Right. And then we lived in Minneapolis and then moved up to Brooklyn Park suburb. Just Coon Rapids boy right here. So I know exactly yep. where you are. Yep. Um, what country you're born in, can I ask? So I was born in Laos. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my family immigrated here like 10 days after I was born. Right. Just because they had to wait. My mom had to wait till like came out before they left the <laughs> village. So you were still healthy and alive before yeah. they could travel right, with you. Right, right, right. And then um, we lived in Brooklyn Park for close to 30 years, and then I live in St. Paul now, which is great. I feel, when we moved out of Brooklyn Park, I was kind of scared that I'd never feel like home again, but St. Paul feels great. I love it. So you were born in Laos. Have you ever mm-hmm. been back? Yes, in 2010. Actually, the day before I went back to school at IPR, like uh, we had planned this vacation. I had five months of severance after I was let go at Blockbuster because they were failing as a company. <laughs> well, so, it, it, technology and times change. I know. And so, again, I still have a lot. It was of, a dinosaur staring up the flames, I, right? <laughs> like The comet is coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. right, right. I, I have three working VCRs in my house, by the way. <laughs> and my daughter works in the space where a former Blockbuster was right by my house. But please continue. So, yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. It's called the Dreamer's Vault. I like to call it the Android's Dungeon because <laughs> it's very... Anyway, we'll talk more about that another time. I want to hear about how you went back to Laos. Um, so we... My parents wanted to go just to visit, and I have no interest, or I had no interest. Um, and I feel like people in my generation, from my culture, don't really care to go back. I just feel they feel it's not important to them to see what it was like there. But my parents really did want us to go. So we, uh, my two older sisters and I, I think I was 30 at the time, um, went with my parents and it was great. It was really interesting to see it from an American's point of view because I consider myself mm-hmm. American. Well, you've lived here since you had, yeah. had the ability to remember or right. think, right? So you are an American. Yeah. And uh, you can always tell the Hmong Americans when they go back to Laos because they're always fatter. <laughs> That seems aggressive, but okay. I'll I'll defer to you on that one. So it was interesting. But then, um, so we went in March of 2010 and we came back and I went straight to school the next day. So I was very, very jet lagged, but it was really great to see that more so because later that year, my dad passed away too. So it was Mm. great to spend that time with him and to view things through his eyes. You know, I don't want to spend too much time on this, mm-hmm. but to me, this is fascinating. And you and I have never talked about this before. Mm-hmm. For Hmong Americans, well, you know, obviously a great migration took place because mm-hmm. it was not good times and no. it was not okay. And uh, the biggest concentration in the U.S., at least mm-hmm. at the time, from what I understood, was right up here in the upper Midwest. Yes. Um, of, you know, emigrants who had to get out because things were very bad. So why do you think that growing up in America, why do you think Hmong Americans had no interest in going back and finding out about where they're from? Maybe maybe I'm speaking for other people. I, I just didn't because I'm just like, I love my cushy life here. Yeah. I don't care about seeing what it's like to live there. And when you go back, a lot of my relatives still lived in um, houses that had wood 
boards and it was dirt floor. So this was just 10 years ago. Um, I don't think much much has changed. Plus the um, cost of living there or the uh, wages are not equal to here, obviously. Like a person can make as little as $15 a month, U.S. dollars. Wow. So imagine living, like that's probably what you spent on lunch today. You know, well, not me. I'm actually making less than fifteen dollars a month, but I'm not going to compare my lifestyle to that right. of somebody who lives in Laos. We're talking to you, Evang. So you're here. Your family's here. You go to school. You go to IPR, and then you decide. At what point did you decide music is the one thing, the thing you want to be next to? Did you play music? Did you just know musicians? What What was the What was the attraction? I I don't play music at all. I I think like, um, I actually had a huge crush on a guy who went to shows all the time. So I. I uh, did it work started, out? It did not. Okay, but, sorry. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I don't care. It's a good thing, though. Sorry, didn't mean it's a good thing. So he went to shows a lot, and I was like, "That's really interesting to me." And then you go to shows, and musicians are like on this other level. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, you they walk into a room, and you know that's a musician just by the way they walk. And um, to me, that was always fascinating. I'm not. I don't like being the center of attention at all. So I always like to be like the person to help you. The person to help you carry your stuff in or help you get to where you need to be. So I wanted to be that person, like that, um, the tour manager or the stage manager. And that person was just as cool as a musician. So, um, Although they have to kind of be jackasses. Like, they I mean, do. Are you, I mean right. like a tour manager, their job, and I don't think they're automatically jackasses, but their job is right. to facilitate the band, mm-hmm. to insert themselves between the band and the public. And so managers by default, kind of have to be jerks. That's something you're comfortable with? I I don't know if that was my intention. I always feel like I always try to approach everything with kindness, and I think even if I wasn't um, a jackass... I could still be kind, and people would still respond to that. Everyone knows you're not a jackass, <laughs> yeah. Yua. Yua Vang is one of the nicest, funniest people I've ever met. Again, never not a smile, but every once in a while, because you're dealing with businesses, you're dealing with fans, mm-hmm. you're dealing with mercurial attitudes mm-hmm. as certain artists have, it's kind of hard to not. You don't really get an option sometimes. No, but you can be firm and also be kind at the same time. And that I, I appreciate people who can be that. Yeah. You know, it's a very fine line. And so I, when the company I was working for was failing and they decided to let me go, I was like, I don't want to be in a store again. I just felt no future in that. And even when I was working in retail, it was just really hard because, I mean, kudos to people who work in retail because that is one of the hardest jobs that you can ever do. Agreed. Um, I hated it. I never want to go back to it. And um, so when I was let go... I was, I had like five months of severance to think about this. And I was at home one day and I saw a commercial for this music school that was in downtown. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go do that. I'm going to decide to not do this. And it was really hard because um, my family isn't rich at all. I mean, like we are working class people. And so it was up to me to pay for that myself as well. And so I was I just put everything into it. I was 30 years old at the time, and I went to school with a lot of, like, 18, 19-year-old kids who were just like, I'm going to school to be a rock star. I'm like, okay. And so I I felt like this stupid, stupid, like, I got straight A's and everything because I'm like, I got to pay for this. I better. 
work hard at Put this. Put the time and, in. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like when people go to school later in life, they, they really try harder because they know they have less time in life. Right. So, um, when my intention was to be a tour manager when I was done and I went to school for music business and I actually met you or you came to one of the things that I did when Adam Levy had a, Oh my God. At the IPR. DIY I remember no, yep. sitting up on the stage yes. and talking to the yep. students. So I produced that show with him and then I met like a ton of people through that class or it wasn't a class, but it was a show. And, um, and so I was looking through photos. I'm like, Oh, I forgot that Brian was one of our <laughs> guests for that. <laughs> and, um, so through that, I met a lot of people. And then when I graduated, my goal was to be a tour manager. But I realized soon at 30 years old, I did not want to be on the road. I hated traveling that much. I hated sleeping on floors. And I'm just like, uh... so I didn't I was kind of unsure of what I wanted to do. And I fell into um, writing through interning with Andrea Swenson, Swenson at, um, excuse me, at City Pages. One of the kindest people on planet is, Earth, yes. by the way. And so. Um, it was really weird. And then I hated writing. I still hate writing. I know, right? You just wrote a memoir. What do you mean you hate writing? I know. But, um, so on my last day of school, I was like, I never have to write an article or a paper again. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to be a writer. (laughs) So I ended up like writing and, um, and it was through her and then Reed Fisher, the, uh, following editor after Andrea that I kind of blossom into what I was doing. So. so I want to talk more about your memoir. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about your current gig booking music at MSP because mm-hmm. that right there, I feel like is a whole show by itself. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of things I want to talk about, but I feel like we should get to a piece of music before we do anything else. And you've chosen, when I talk about nice people, I, you know, you said earlier before we were recording this, that I talk a lot about my feelings for an Irishman. <laughs> and you're, <laughs> you're absolutely right. I do. And you've seen me promote the other podcasts we've done. This is episode 25 of the Brian Oak show and you're always like this person's great this person's great to me that's part of my job is making sure that I talk to people who are interesting who are well great I don't you know and not every guest has been absolutely stellar but I'm going to be honest Sean I mean we've been lucky most of our guests have been fucking stellar well, I think it does help that you do your homework and ask good questions. Well, there, there's <laughs> but, that. There's but that. people are people seem to kind of warm up and and they open up, and that's what we want to have happen on the show. Want, I want good stories. Yeah. But my whole point is the first artist we're going to hear that you chose because every guest who comes by gets to pick a couple three songs, and man, that was my grandma right there. A couple three. Can I get a couple three of those <laughs> real quick? Um, uh, the first one you chose is by a local artist who, again, I don't want to ever damn anyone with faint praise, and I don't ever want to be, I don't ever want to diminish what it means to be kind, mm-hmm. to be nice, to be mm-hmm. creative. Chris Coza is not only wildly talented, but he might be one of the nicest people I've ever met in I my know. entire life. Tell me about you and Chris Coza. So Chris, uh, actually, I met through that show that I produced with Adam Levy, and um, I met him actually the, the week after my dad we had his funeral. So it was like I was I had to be at school, and obviously I didn't say any of that, but I met him, and this was in the time when they were they recorded four albums in a year based on each of the seasons, mm-hmm. and so they were just so busy. And I Rogue heard, Valley, yeah, Rogue Valley, right. sorry, and I was just so entranced with what he was writing his music that he was writing. And I just knew that I had to work with him that, you know, this was an artist that I really wanted to know after I graduated school. Cause 
I, I still had no clue what I wanted to do. So that's how I met him. And he and I have been friends ever since. And, you know, just like all friendships, it's been like, hey, it's learning curves. How do you how do you tell somebody that, hey, I'm mad at you and still remain friends? You know, so it's been a lot of that. And not that he and I fight. We hardly ever fight ever. But like I see him a all lot. All friends fight. They all fight. All but friends like, fight. But I see him very much as an older brother, like somebody I've never it's something I've never had. I have two older sisters and a younger brother. So he always gives me advice, even though some of it is unsolicited. Sometimes. <laughs> like that's friends, right? It, yeah. yeah that's like friends. We went on a four hour um, road trip this past summer. And I think he was like, does this girl ever shut up? Because I talk so much and he's just like, a, but like. That, I, that's yeah. why we're friends, you. Yeah. You and I, <laughs> right. we were actually cut from the very same cloth. Right. Uh, tell me why this song, and then we're going to hear it. So this was off his latest album. He actually had his um, CD release show at the Parkway, which is just down. Two doors down yep. from where we are right now. So he had it this past uh, April, and it's part one of a second album. So that, that one's coming out soon, hopefully. So Here's Chris Coza and the name of the song. Where We Go.
first time we've played Chris Crozer here on the Brian Oak Show, and I feel guilty suddenly because not <laughs> only is he wildly talented, but as we mentioned before, just kind and warm and generous, even if sometimes he gets a little frustrated <laughs> with the fact that you of Aang will not shut up. <laughs> I don't think he's, he wouldn't ever say that. To of course me. he would, because that's not his nature. <laughs> he does have a show, by the way, coming up at the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault at the end of the month, which is January 31st, which I like to call New Year's Eve. <laughs> he did that on another show a couple times. Yeah, there's a bunch of bands playing on January 31st, <laughs> and Kiss the Tiger was our guest here on the show recently. And I was like, and you got this huge New Year's Eve show coming up. And they both looked at me like I had been hitting the hand with a shovel. They're like, what, what, you know, well, that actually already happened. But if you want to come out on Friday, January 31st, cool, man. Like, they're like, we got to get out of here. I just want to see my family again. Yua Vang is our guest. And these days, uh, so you've worked with a lot of bands locally. You have done mm-hmm. a lot of writing locally. I want to hear about your memoir. But first, I find it fascinating that you book music for MSP, MSP mm-hmm. being the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport, because when it comes to booking music, A, I'm wondering about the venues there, and B, mm-hmm. I mean, you must have like some sort of like security clearance to be able to do that kind of stuff, yeah? Yeah, yeah I mean... Uh, I mean, like, you, you, can, can get a guy, you can get a guy backstage, is that what you're talking right. about? Right. You, you can request a pass for people that are not flying to come into the airport, so that's what we do. Um, we do have a roster of badge artists that do perform regularly too so i work with those and then i do special performances um that are just random based on travel schedules so coming up we have ncaa wrestling that's coming to u.s bank stadium and we're booking artists to welcome them kiss the tiger is one of the artists that's on the who by the way badass like really badass And then we do have an artist, which I can't announce yet, just because we are oh. waiting for management. And I'm super excited to Fancy. have this person on, on the bill. But um, You'll tell us, though. I'll tell you after. <laughs> we will. Yes. Don't, don't tell us after. Just wait until you can officially yes. announce it. Um, and then, like, uh, I am booking also, like, the series called C18 Sessions, which is in right by one of the gates. And it's a, in a film screening room right now. And... The intention of that space was to have performances there. So when our senior architect, Alan Howell, was like, hey, we have this space. And I was like, we should have music there. And so um, I've been booking. We're booked up to J- to July. And Lydia Liza was actually our first guest. She was here. I know. She was here with on your show. She also is one of the most warm and, <laughs> and most open and brave people I know. that I've ever met. She's yes. incredible. Yes. I'm still mad at her for making us cry. Well, she did, she did make us both cry, but in, in our defense and in her defense, in no, yes, in, in our defense, we we both uh, were both pretty cry. Oh, big babies, yeah, <laughs> big middle aged Irish babies. Now, the the thing that I find fascinating is like, so of course, as people are walking down the concourse mm-hmm. or the promenade or whatever, mm-hmm. it's nice to see a little live music. It's fun. It it's is. engaging. But now, when you talk about a dedicated space that I'm assuming is behind a closed door, mm-hmm. like. How do people know to go to that? How do they get into it? How how does that work? I mean, you like, gravitate. Unless I, have, unless I have an eight-hour layover, yeah. why am I going to go to a show in that space? And I'm not challenging well, it. I'm just curious how it works. I think, like, so the the roster that I work with now is in open spaces. So you're 
walking past them and you're like, hey, this is interesting. This is something that I wouldn't expect when I'm at an airport. Right. And I was actually in Austin and Dallas last week, but Austin um, Airport has seven stages. Cool. And they book seven stages. Seven stages. Well, it is Austin, right. but also still, that's a lot. That's a lot, and they have a, the main one is called Asleep at the Wheel, named after the band. Right. But um, they, you know, they want to have a representation of the of the city because most times when people are in an airport, that's the only representation of what they have. But if you're a nervous flyer, do you want the band's Asleep at the Wheel? To be- <laughs> Because I am a nervous flyer. I don't know if I dig the title. The Plane Crashers. I, I'm, I'm only... Wow. Here's DOA. Um, Here's Uncle Drinksy, the pilot. Uh, wow. You know, I actually am nervous during takeoff and landing. Once you're in the sky, yeah. it's out of your hands. And that's yeah. not usually where the drama happens. Right. And it's still miraculous that you're in a gigantic metal tube traveling 700 miles an hour, 30,000 feet above the only terra firma you've ever known <laughs> but it's, it's takeoff and landing and takeoff is usually fine landing oh man if they would just if they would just come up and like do the sort of like the <laughs> vulcan <laughs> death grip or something to knock me out for yeah. the last five minutes and then i could wake up and everyone's already off the plane so i'm not standing there hunched over waiting to grab my <laughs> yeah. bag that would be ideal so you book bands at msp mm-hmm. is that a thing that if anyone's listening to the show like i'd like to play at msp yeah. how do they get a hold of you um do you want my email I mean, well, I, I, only if you want to share it. I'm just wondering, like, I well, mean, like, like, do you do you have more artists than you can possibly book? Yes. Or okay, well then, never mind. I mean, no, no, and I I want more diversity. I want more options because I feel like um, over the last couple of years, I've kind of leaned away from not writing anymore. So my knowledge of local music is like, hey, who's up and coming? Sometimes you know, right. and there's so many bands popping up all the time. Too so, many. Yeah. So I'm just like, okay, who should I be booking now? And I think it's always important to remind uh, talent buyers, like, hey, this person is making noise here that you should be paying attention to. So right. I think that's important. Um, one thing that I do appreciate is that my boss, um, he has a background in art. So my background is music. And because I've written about music for the last decade, it's easy for me to just be like, send out an email and I have so many responses to that just because I've made connections with people. And so I appreciate that he just says to me, hey, just book whatever. I trust you. So I think it's great to have a boss that, you know, can do that for you. So despite your outrageous and frankly false claims that you've gotten away from writing in the last two (laughs) years, you have a memoir. You have written an entire book. So um, we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. But I I, I could talk to you all night, but I I feel Mm -hmm. like we should get a little more music in. And you've gone with a band that I have very mixed emotions about, and that it is okay. by no means a judgment, by no means a judgment, because I know people who have traveled to see great distances mm-hmm. to see this band. I know people who love this band so much, whose opinions I deeply respect. It's just not my jam, <laughs> okay. but I want to know about why you chose, and we are going to come back and talk about your book. Wait, I want to know why you don't, why they're not your thing <sighs> Again, so here's the deal. I like to spar about music. I like to discuss music. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like when I know people hate something or dislike something that I'm a fan of. I never take it personally, so I'm always afraid to engage in these conversations. All right, well, these guys are, especially since one or two of them got sober, 
real mm-hmm. sanctimonious, and okay. they they rub me the wrong way. Sure. And I think they're talented. I've, <laughs> I've actually seen them live probably five or six times. Sure. I, I mean, I, they tour constantly. So. And again, and I have friends who are deep on mm-hmm. this particular band. Here's the deal. I'm not mad at them. I don't hate them. Mm-hmm. I've just never heard one song by them that flipped the switch for me. Sure. And, and that's okay. Well, yes, but also like then they have made a couple songs where I'm like, no, now there's a, there is there's a there's a also, I guess, you know, you want to know the real answer? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's be honest. Okay. Thank you. Oh, suddenly the tables are turned, aren't they, Sean? <laughs> I guess the tables they are. are turned. Um I had they the first time this band ever played at the Basilica Block Party yep. when I was deep in the Do you remember what year? I probably was there. Mm, I mean, I'm going to guess like, it wasn't super late, but it wasn't super early. I was there because I covered it for City Pages. 2010, yeah. 11, yes, 12, I was at that show, yeah. somewhere in there. Yep. But I mean, it wasn't a band we ever played on the air, right? ever. Wait, but, wait, but, you but, did. You did play I In Love and You because that's where I first heard oh, them. Oh, maybe we, we yep. just, like, we, but barely. No, but that like, was like barely. 2007, though. Okay, so, so a little earlier, yep. fine. Um, And there were, their fans were such acolytes. Their fans were so heavy. <laughs> they came up, and I was just sitting there trying to do my radio show, <laughs> yeah. and like, don't you ruin my fucking band! <laughs> you shouldn't be playing them! You don't understand this! <laughs> don't soil this with well, your... And, and I get it. Like yeah. I, I'm a music head. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Like, like, oh, shit, why are these people touching my band? Get away from it. You're going to ruin it. That's You're going to the... ruin it. You're going to get fingerprints all over it. <laughs> And That's I, the people that ruin it, you know. Well, yes. and so I was like, I was like, well, first of all, I don't really care one way or the other, mm-hmm. and I don't get to pick the music right. on the station, right? And but you know what? Like people were so invested, they were so heavy. They're like, you're gonna ruin my fucking band. <laughs> you get your hands off it right now, and I want you to walk away and pretend like you've never seen this before. And so that to me was the thing that set me down the wrong sure. path. But then seeing the band a couple more times. Little sanctimonious, but uh-huh. I'll, I'll be honest, they're great players. And totally. when I watch them live, the the four thousand people who are right in front of the stage, yeah. there's nowhere on planet Earth they would rather be. So I have no disrespect yeah. for this band. I just I, I'm just not there. So I wanna know because I love learning and mm-hmm. maybe Sean's gonna be surprised to hear this, but I'm willing to admit that occasionally I'm wrong. <laughs> um tell me why you picked this song and this band. So when you're you said, Hey, come up with two to three songs that you really like. I It was just so hard for me, and I yeah. actually went back and forth a lot in this. But I feel like uh, even Chris is really good at this, and the Avery brothers are really good at this as well. But they write songs. Sometimes it's not love songs, and sometimes it's about life without sounding trite. You know? It, I just think, like, the way that they write it is just so poetic, and that's what I love about it. So this song that I chose is, um, it was off The Carpenter um, from, I think, around the time that they were at the Basilica. And Mm -hmm. I just love it. It talks about, you know, this arc of where you are in life and what you need to do with it. So that's why I love it. Fantastic news. Well, here you go. And again, don't take my... I won't. Dissenting opinion as admonishment. I I pretend I, I I'm an absolute idiot and I'm so <laughs> glad and I like the diversity of songs that people pick on here. So here we go without further comment, the Avet Brothers.
because of it. Love it, love it, let go of it. Love comes from it. We're not of this world for long. Faith and promise keep me honest when starvation falls upon us day light told me he would be myself looking outside it's been gray for 36 days <laughs> it is the cloudiest january on record since they've been keeping track in terms of solar radiation which apparently is important apparently the earth is heated by the sun etc etc science blah 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 that right there um you before i hit a couple sponsors real quick here i want to not apologize i just want to clarify like when i when i say i don't get a band I'm not really disrespecting that That's band. Okay. I just, um, but after listening to how pretty that song was and how well written it is and how well executed it is, it makes me feel like kind of a dick for the things no, that I said. No, don't even. I don't think you need to justify why you don't like 
something that you don't I there's I can't think of any right now, but like there's plenty of bands where I hate and everybody loves them and I'm just like, okay, well I'm not gonna change your mind, but I can have that opinion if yeah, I don't like bon it. Bon Jovi. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't even I can't stand Bon Jovi. Slippery when wet. <laughs> Awful. Shot through the heart and you're to blame. You would love a bad I name. I cannot stand and Bon Jovi. And Richie comes in and goes, bad name. <laughs> really? Well, he admitted in an interview that he writes all of his songs based on cliches. Oh. And I was well, like. Have you heard oh. pop music? Well, I know, but to just to admit that every single song, that I'm like, oh my God, every one yeah. of his songs. Yeah, no. Well, I did send a, a, like a screenshot to some journalist friends the other day. I'm just like, can we not put cliches in articles anymore? Like, can we not? Where they're like, we're storming the city. I'm like, can we not use that cliche term? Or the, the thing City Pages did for about 20 years that really bummed me out is the sort of fun play on words as yeah. the title of the article. And I know that was the thing for a very long time. <laughs> but getting getting back to liking music or not, I'm a, a firm believer that we don't get to pick what we love, right? And so if you don't get an emotional response, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means it's not your Mm -hmm. thing. And for other, but now here's the important part and why the internet is such a flaming garbage pile is (laughs) that everybody wants to say like, oh, you're wrong. This band is shit. I'm like, well, let people have their joy. I have a story on that. So, God, who is the guy who started Live Aid? Um, Bob, Bob Geldof, Geldof. Pop yeah. Geldof yeah. was a keynote speaker yeah. at South by Southwest when I went there in 2011. And uh, I'd been up all night at shows and I fell asleep during the keynote speech. But at the end of it, this was like when uh, Facebook was just kind of starting out. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was probably like three years into their prime. Like 2008 was when it was really when people were really signing on to it. And um, so three years into their prime and this lady at the end there, they had a Q and a and this lady at the end stood up and was like, how dare you tell people that they can't have a platform to speak on. And and it wasn't even about Facebook. I think he was talking about something else. And he said, not everybody needs a platform. And I think with social media, it created that where everybody's like, I have this platform. I have this opinion. Everybody needs to hear it. And the problem, too, is that people feel bulletproof, right. so they no longer have to treat you like a human exactly. being, or your opinions, or your emotions, like they, they have actual validity. Mm-hmm. I can just be a complete scorched earth piece of human crap yeah. when I talk to you yes. about the things that I feel about. Yes. So, I mean, I think it is, we are uh, children of social media at this time. You know, we have, we're like, we have an opinion. Everybody needs to hear it. So it's kind of hard to move away from that. Before we move forward, because I do want to hear about your memoir, and we have mm-hmm. so much more we could talk about, and <laughs> but we can't make this a three-hour show, although I wouldn't mind doing it. <laughs> Before we do that, uh, Sean Bernard is my business partner. He is also the producer of the show, and he also is a realtor, and you work at the 50th and... France. France location. I do. Of... Edina Realty. No, Are we going to do it. every other word? Or? Yeah, well, I, I, I kind of was, was doing like a Ken Burns spoken jazz oh, thing. Okay? But apparently I wasn't somebody doesn't want to play ball. That's Sorry. cool. So tell me, why would someone go to you to buy or sell their home? Well, hopefully, uh, as I've said, it's, uh, well, first of all, just because I think I'm somewhat of a decent human being and I've got some empathy and other people don't, you can kind of read right through them that they're just money hungry people. And I'm not saying I 
I don't mind making money, but I love I love helping people. I always have. Are you talking about guys named Todd and Chad? Is that who you're yeah, talking Todd's about right now? Yeah, Todd's and Chads can go f themselves. But <laughs> wow. No. Um, I'm thinking about every Todd and Chad I know right now. But no, I I know I, a few I, of them as well. I do genuinely like to help people, and I just have that's just kind of who I am. And and uh, and so when it comes to something as big as somebody's house. Um, I really enjoy that. I enjoy them selling. I enjoy helping them buy. Um, and I'm doing that with a friend right now. We're going to list her house in South Minneapolis, not far from here, mm-hmm. on March 1st. And she's going through a major, uh, you know, change in her life. And and uh, it's a big moment. And so if you're just focused on the money, it's not going to go very well. Right. Um, I'm excited to work with her. So if people want to get a hold of me, they can reach me at 612-859-2594. Or Sean Barnard at EdinaRealty.com. Not Barnyard, but Barnard. Exactly right. <laughs> okay. We also want to remind people about Great River Radon Mitigation. You can text Laurie from Great River at 612-701-2216. Radon, apparently, in unsafe levels exists in two out of five Minnesota basements. And you don't want that because although it's called a noble gas, according to the periodic table of elements, it actually is the second leading cause of lung cancer in America, second only to cigarette smoking, and so you just want to make sure you don't have it. And if you go to them, you call Lori, you text Lori at 612-701-2216, they'll give you a big discount on just the testing. Find out. Make sure you're safe. Most people only test when they sell or buy. Just make sure. And then if you do need mitigation, they're good at it and are very reasonably priced. And again, they'll offer you a discount if you mention the Brian Oak Show. And of course, the very first interlock ignition, ignition interlock or interlock ignition? Ignition Ignition Interlock, thank you very much. Program Smart Start MN, they are the ones who have really helped us get off the ground and start doing the Brian Oak Show because they were the very first ones on board, and we can't thank them enough for their support. If you get a DUI, if you know someone who gets one, if you have a friend of a friend of a friend, they'll get you back in your vehicle sooner than you ever might have guessed, and for a lot less money... I don't know why they're so itchy about us saying the price, but they are, and so I can't. But I was startled how inexpensive it was. Yeah, compared to not working, or you know, or just compared to how many Ubers you'd have to take, or, or the hours and hours on public transit. Not that there's anything wrong with public. I've taken it myself many yeah. times. But if you have to get someplace, I mean, it can be really challenging. So compared to that price, it's a steal, and it makes a ton of sense. So make sure you go to... Uh, smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. Or if you're at the event tomorrow night, you can come and shake Ed Cohen's hand. Yeah, he'll be there. And the last thing I want to mention is so many people on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash the Brian Oak Show, more than 100 of you jumped on as Patreon supporters and a surprising number of you at the VIP level. As we start to move forward, we're going to have very regular live events that are open to our Patreon VIPs. But for this very first one, Everyone who's donated a dime on Patreon gets to come in, but you got to RSVP to the message that's on there as well. So if you want to get in tomorrow, we are going to. So we're recording this on the 29th right now. On the 30th, we're going to be at the Hook and Ladder with local musician Ben Lubeck, who, by the way, is one of only two people 
who recognized the needlepoint on the wall <laughs> as the work of one Yua Vang, who is our guest this evening. Um, if you'd like to come tomorrow, we would love to have you there. Uh, it's a good event. It's an amazing venue. They're a great nonprofit venue. They do really good work. They're in South Minneapolis, right there on Lake Street. And we are very, very excited about tomorrow's event. Yua, don't you hate that guy? Isn't he one of the biggest he jerks you've awful. ever met? Ben Lubeck could be like one of the worst people I've ever met. No, he's... He he's like a sweetheart. He's, such he's another good, one of those guys who like never doesn't have a smile no. right. and never isn't warm and wonderful. Yeah. I've met pretty, like, kind of a lot of assholes too in this, in Same. this business. But like, Same. Ben, I did, I did merch for them. Um, and we, one of the shows was at this roof of his aunt's place. And so he was talking to her and then he's like trying to set up his gear and then he's helping her like with her refreshments as well. I'm like, Ben, you don't need to do that. You know, like <laughs> go him. set up your gear. But that's Ben Lubeck yeah. in a nutshell right there. Not to mention a wildly talented Minnesota singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. So we're very excited that he's gonna be part of our first event. Yu Vang is our guest this evening. And before we let you go, and before we get to our last song, I have a couple more questions for you. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna go a little over an hour. You um have been many things. You have done so much in the music industry. You have as you said, master of all trades, jack of none, which is brilliant. You are... Well, there's a lot of stuff that I'm not good at. I just don't make that public or let people know. You know what I mean? Nice. Well, like, that's how it works, right? Right. Yeah. You just fail a lot, but you only let what you're good at show through. Well, you know. if I people, I mean, when, when I follow you on, and you know, I was trolling your Facebook today. Just, I mean, that's my homework, right? I mean, yeah, that's part of my you job. You saw how my button, I was in a meeting oh, today at work. Button. I cracked me up. Because you just like were flexing I, there? Or I you... flexed my arm and my button flew across the room. No, that's not how you said it. You said I flexed my arm muscle, which made me laugh even more. What I like is my it, arm it, it makes me think of like in the eighties, like like all the jerks were doing those squeezy things, oh, yeah, whatever yeah, those squeezy yeah. grip things. That's are. what I was doing. Yeah, yeah in like, math like, class. Like, yeah. like you is sitting there in the fucking business meeting, and she's like, "What do you bitches want?" It's like, okay, vision class. <laughs> <laughs> so you, among among many of your talents and the things that you've done and continue to do, you said quite falsely a little while ago, you quit writing about a couple of years ago, but somehow you just finished a book. I did. I slowed down writing uh, about music, really, um, just because it was just so hard for me to do that and have a day job. And I think like one of my things is, I'm trying to move on from stuff before I get burned out on it. And I love talking to artists. I love talking more than I love the writing portion of it, right? Same. So um, I slowed down. But then um, I was talking to a friend of mine who published a book called um, Heyday, um, Danny Siegelman, who oh, worked yeah. with Dan, Dan Corgan at First Ave. And they're like, well, the Historical Society, you know, publishes books and I had been thinking about writing this book, a cookbook, with musicians and getting all their stuff. And then it kind of evolved into this other thing where they're like, we're more interested in your culture because we don't have a cookbook based on Hmong food. And a lot of it was, okay, well, that's going to be like, hey, open up my veins. Everybody hear what nobody else wants to hear, you know, or I don't want to hear because I'm a very public or private person and I don't like... um airing grievances much online so when i am online it's more just jokes it's more just weird stuff like that and um and so i 
put together this um this like um proposal and it's just how i connect to my culture through food and um just to my mom is the last link in that generation all my grandparents are dead my dad passed away so Mm. it's hard to identify who you are anymore because i'm so strong-handed headed and in my culture the women you are your identity is your husband your you know i went to a party just a few months ago and the first thing i was asked was when are you getting married i'm like i'm almost 40 years old and why are you still asking me this you know (laughs) so and my cousin she got married when she was 16 so you are identified by who what you are to others. Um, are you a mother? Are you a wife? And so I'm trying to, with this book, I'm trying to find my identity in my culture that where I don't fit in. And I was very stubborn growing, growing up. I still am. So it's, <laughs> that's a big part of it. And then just how I connect to, uh, my culture through the food. So, and, um, I actually brought a line from Chris Koza, which I think he's amazing at, you know, just, putting the right words together so it's called told told at the table um i'm still waiting to hear what's going to happen with this book so but that's what i've been working well, on we'll keep our eyes open so I, I recommend you as a follow now i don't want a bunch of weirdos following around facebook I got, but- okay so you tagged me and i've gotten like 50 friend requests on Facebook recently, and I'm just like, okay, I guess I'll accept. Don't trust those people. No, 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 no. Twitter is the kind of place you can do that. Facebook, you have your precious 5,000, and you, yes, need, to keep right. a, you need to keep an eye on well, that I'm limit. I'm only at like 1,400, so I'm Okay, good. well, and yeah. again, but like, don't hassle her. You, hey, you so is funny talking and brilliant. Facebook, yeah? you had posted something about games and not being invited to games, but I remember when you first got on Facebook, it was Mafia Wars. <laughs> Son Do you remember that? <laughs> Son of a Hold bitch. Out. It was like, you're like, Is this the thing you guys were talking about before? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, well, so uh, just real quickly, I, I know we don't want to make this go on too long. When you first get onto social media, <laughs> it's kind of exciting. And like, I'm going to take a quiz to find out which oh. Little House on the Prairie character I am. You're right. Turns out I'm Nellie Olson, right? No, just kidding. I was cousin, not cousin Oliver, whatever that stupid cousin's name was. Um, uh, but then, like, so there were these interactive games were a yeah. big part of earlier Facebook. Totally. And I did get into Mafia Wars, and I, apparently Mafia Wars was popular in India and the Pacific Rim <laughs> And areas like Belarus, like also Eastern Europe. And I I still have occasional things that pop up on my Facebook where I'm like, I'm friends with someone whose name I couldn't pronounce with a gun to my head. And it's because of those. And I know that then like you get excited and you start reaching these new levels and you share yeah. your awards online. You remember back that far, do you? I do. See, I have a really good memory. So yeah. if you ever fuck up in front of me, I'm going to be like, hey, I'm going to call you out on this 10 years later. Well, uh-oh, here we are. <laughs> on a podcast. Good God. So what was the thing when I came back into the room last time that you guys were talking about about my time at Cities? So um, I just remember I was driving. It was like late afternoon and you were, I think you were on the afternoon slot at that time. For 11 years, So I just say that your legacy in life is going to be this, where you would get so hung up on people who did not have their headlights on if their windshield wipers are going there is a social contract. You have. There is a social contract, and you know what? If there is inclement weather, you yes. turn on your fucking headlights yes. and you turn on your fucking windshield wipers. And if you're a white vehicle in a snowstorm, yes. 
I, I hope I, I, I can't wish ill on anybody. It's not part of my nature. But I am not going to pull over to help you when you get a flat tire no. or your car gets hit. There is a so situational awareness is a right. big deal. If if there was any legacy that you left behind in your time on radio, though, that's your legacy. And I said to Sean, that's going to be in your tombstone. It is. It is actually. What's that? Turn on your headlights. Turn on your headlights if your windshield wipers are on. It, it's the deal. It's actually an ordinance. It is. People it will is. think it's metaphorical, though, and you're like, no, I actually mean turn on your fucking <laughs> yeah, headlights. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just, yeah, no, I'm not yeah. trying to tell a story. I'm not, I'm not doing Plato's cave. There's yeah. no philosophy here. Turn on your fucking headlights. I just remember driving to work in Maple Grove and this moment where you're like on the radio and I'm like, okay, I better turn my headlights <laughs> on. <laughs> It did. I'm so very happy about that. Uh, we have to wrap things up. So I got to thank a few people. The good people at AudioQuip, AudioQuip.com are the ones who have provided us with all this fine equipment that we have here in the Smart Start MN studios. All of our previous guests, all of our Patreon supporters, everyone who's been an early adopter and a supporter. Thank you. This is challenging. It is terrifying. It is deeply exciting. And I very much look forward to having more amazing conversations with the likes of Yua Vang. Yua, thank, thank you. you very much for coming by. Um, don't forget, tomorrow is our first ever live event. It's at Hook and Ladder. It is not open to the public, but it is open to anyone who's RSVP'd over at Patreon. Patreon.com slash The Brian Oak Show. Or unless you've received a private email, invite, something like that, because we're also inviting all of our previous guests, including you, Yua, should you Thanks. be available and you'd like to stop by we'd love to have you there um so we're gonna call it here uh i do have one last question for you you along with your sister do a proper needlepoint business mm -hmm. is that right yes and so where would people find out more about that um you can go to 3drdcrafts.com it's the number three 3d yep. rdcrafts.com yep. it stands for third daughter restless daughter okay and it's um i came up with the name after a band's song the Oh Hellos, they have a song called Second Child, Restless Child. Mm -hmm. And so I do like so many jobs. I'm like, that's going to be the name of my business. So, Well, you and I saw each other about a year ago. And prior to that, it had been a lot of years since we'd seen one another. Mm -hmm. But the last time that you sort of bubbled up in my life was um, I got fired from a job that I love very much. And you sent me a beautiful piece of needlepoint that we talked about called Never Give Up on Your Stupid, Stupid Dreams. God, it's fantastic. And you included a very sweet card with it as well. Why did you send me that? Just because I feel like we need, we can be kind to our friends as much as we can, but we have to remind them. Maybe it's not always like, you know, a physical gift or anything, but I like to, because I like to remind people that, hey, you matter. You're great. Even though I know a lot of people, you know, <laughs> I just... <laughs> I think it's important to remind people like that. One of my good friends, Susanna Schuweiler, she says, um, one of my goals this year, too, is to be kinder to people that it's hard for me to be kind to. Like, sometimes when I'm mad at my siblings or something, it's hard to be kind to them. But I want to treat people like I actually like them, the people I love, right? And so we need to be reminded of that sometimes. Huh. Okay, well, that's cool. <laughs> Thank hey, you. Lydia Liza isn't here. <laughs> no, guess what? Well, this is actually probably the third or fourth time oh. I've cried on the show, but yeah. um, thank you very much, Eva. Thank you.
summer night, I don't care. Hands on the wheel, driving junk, I'm doing my thing. Rolling the Midwest side now, living my life, getting out jeans. People told me, slow my roll. I get it, and I'll be good.